everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. So, Mr. McCorkin, how are you doing today? Great, man. I'm quoting heavyweights. You know when I do that, it's a good day. You still haven't seen it, have you? No, I still haven't seen it. I know, uh, we might have to just... It's a very family-friendly, ah. summer-oriented flick. Uh, so my, uh, my kids don't want to watch TV. They just wanna, great. They just want to watch YouTube videos. Oh, well, watch heavyweights clips on YouTube <laughs> in sequential order, like uh, a full movie. Dude, my daughter, so they've been watching um, this chick named... Uh, Power Athlete Radio? Sniper Wolf. Oh. And it's this... I don't even know how to explain it. Um, this girl who just has these funny rants, and um, I like it's yeah. I I thought we watched some dumb shit when I was growing up, and I'm like, you guys are watching some dumb shit. At least our stuff was like movies, you know, yeah. weird science stuff like that. You're just watching, so you know, you're just basically blowing up this chick's YouTube. A bunch of nine year old girls are watching this chick's YouTube, just putting dough in her pocket. Oh, and she, yeah, she's getting rich. Yeah. Well, YouTube was invented to watch dumb stuff. The whole, I believe that. Yeah, the whole story spawned from that 2004 Super Bowl with Jen and Jackson's boobs. You know, that whole thing just came out that actually that whole thing was planned. So originally, Justin, JT? Justin Timberlake was supposed to rip off her dress. The whole thing? And she was supposed to be wearing like a white thong. And then they changed it at the last minute. So th- what he was trying to do was he was trying to upstage Britney Spears, who had the... Madonna kiss with I think Christina Aguilera. They they had like those two chicks out there. Triple and, kiss. And Madonna kissed them both. And so I Justin Timberlake turns out Justin Timberlake is a spiteful little bitch um, and was JT, jealous. JT? Yeah, I this whole wow. time I thought he was kind of cool, and then you know that whole Britney documentary came out, and it came to come out that the dude was like vindictive, uh, jealous, oh. Oh. Um, spread all these faulty rumors about him. And as a result, like was trying to upstage her at every moment. So that whole Janet Jackson thing was very, very planned and done to try to upstage and, you know, one up Britney Spears. I did not know that. I got to, I got to watch more YouTube. And then, yeah. And then Justin Timberlake came out and was like, you know, I've done, you know, had this really half-hearted apology, but I mean, I don't know. That guy's kind of been off the radar for a minute. Uh, I mean, he's a great actor. I think he's just doing all right. Jessica Biel. Yeah, yeah, dude. He'll, yeah, she's still amazing. Uh, you know what else I've been working on? Um, you writing your own movie? Uh, well, uh, maybe, eventually. Uh, but we're, well, you know, obviously, as you know, we're doing some alterations in the, in, in the office. Uh-huh. So, but uh, we just got a new design to redo the podcast room. And so I've been literally like burning the midnight oil trying to source, which I think is going to be a redoing of this space. Uh, you know, we're, we got our 500th podcast coming up. And so hitting that 500 mark, we needed a, 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 a bit of a buff and shine, a little bit of a change. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, before when we were doing video, or I'm sorry, we never did video back in uh, old little little Power Athlete in Costa Mesa. That was just all audio. Ha! I mean, and it was awful. It was three dudes around a mic with a trash truck fucking basically building erector sets outside. Um, but since we've transitioned into video and you're seeing us here on YouTube and obviously you see us here in our studio, um, you know, we brought on, uh, you know, Chuck, 
Chuck Woolery. No, so we've, you know, we've obviously upgraded the podcast. We got some better angles. It's looking good. And I think the next big step is to take the podcast studio to the next level. And when you guys see this, your heads are going to explode. Like mm-hmm. literally your pet's heads are falling off. Yep. And get ahead of it by heading to our YouTube channel and smashing that subscribe mm. button. I'm pretty excited for it. So I had to put it in order yesterday for uh, a new sign. So we're going to, uh, new signs going in. And once that happens, man, I got about three days to turn and burn on this place and I get her all ready. So I figured more than we'll, enough time. You'll probably hang out for two. Yeah. <laughs> just not kidding. Yeah. I'll go out there and sketch a little bit. So I already play, put in orders. There's going to be some interesting things that I had to source. So I'm pretty excited about that. And, uh, it's going to be pretty epic, dude. I'm super excited to start construction. Oh yeah. Fun, creative outlet for all the training and question answering that we have. Yeah. Like today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, and I got to finish the staircase in there. So that's going to be the next big project. Well, so. once all said and done, we need to do like crew, uh, uh, what's, uh what cribs, uh, cribs. I, I was kind of thinking like, you know, on garage gyms where they do the garage gym walk around. I mean, we obviously yeah. have a garage building gym, but also to show you what power athlete HQ and really headquarters here for our office looks like. And you know, where we are in the Texas Hill country. Yeah. MTV cribs. Yeah. But cool. But cool. All right, let's answer this question. Knock it out. Let's do it, dude. You know, I really like answering. Hey, crew. Sorry, Chris Luke here. Uh, Long-time listener, second-time caller. I got a bit of a technical spinal health movement question for you guys. Um, I know you've had Stu McGill on the podcast, and you guys are um, big fans of Stu's. He's a real smart guy. He, um at least from what I understand, and maybe I misunderstand him, he talks a lot about um, having a very rigid spine. Um, You know, keeping a rigid spine, moving at the hips, moving at the shoulders. My question is, um, you also hear claims from uh, different, you know, different people like Chris Summers or the knees over toes guy talking about Jefferson curls and allowing the spine to round um, forward, then we also see exercises like the teapot in um, a lot of the power athlete programs where we're rounding the spine laterally. Uh, I guess my question is, how do you, um, I guess, justify the spine rounding versus not rounding the spine. Um, anyways, that's my question. If you guys could elaborate on that, uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, thanks, and bye. Two things. I never trust a man that has two first names. For, for Chris Luke, I don't know. It's my virtual training client, John. And then the other piece is uh, when somebody uses the words, how do you justify? When I hear that, I'm like, uh, I don't have to justify anything to you. But I will talk about, you know, the, the you know the difference. I mean, the the, the Jefferson cool curl is extremely controversial type movement. Um, yes, Stu McGill likes a rigid For, spine. So let's get into it. For those okay. unfamiliar with a Jefferson curl, can we talk setup and execution? Go for it. Awesome. Imagine now I'm going to I'm going to stand up on a box. I'm going to stand on the very corner, so both of my toes, the point of that box is in between my toes because I need more range of motion for the dumbbells to pass my feet. 
What I want to do then is stand tall. I have a dumbbell in each hand for this variation of it. Tall. I've seen it done with barbells. Right. Just the how I would describe it or how I would imagine us programming it within the, the power athlete realm would be dumbbells. But my why, why? Because I want my shoulder action in there. I'm going to start with my shoulders externally rotated. So imagine my thumbs pointing out to the sides here. Tall, pretty posture, dumbbell on each side. I'm going to initiate my spine action with my neck, my head. So I'm going to tuck my chin to begin. And as I'm curling, aiming to curl one vertebrae at a time, my shoulders will internally rotate. And I begin to protract away from my spine as my spine is reaching down, aiming to have these dumbbells travel in a straight line going down from my hips to my legs and eventually past my feet. And I'm almost bent over with a curled spine, keeping my chin tucked. The curl now is I'm going to curl up. I'm going to have hips in a neutral position, aiming to only move my spine, reversing this action, stacking my vertebrae one at a time, returning to tall, pretty posture, and then externally rotating at the top returning to a, a good formal uh, shoulder and spine position. We can do that with weight. We can do it without weight. Maintain a slight bend in the knee. And the objective is to have your whole posterior chain pulling through. So you're tapping into, yes, your calves, to your hamstrings, to your glutes, all the way through up your, your spinal erectors. So not just the back here. It's that whole posterior chain backside in this, how I would coach up the Jefferson Curl. Uh, we see people F it up by um, straight knees. We see people F it up by lifting their chin and looking up as they're going down. Um, I'll think of a few other faults that we see within that, but just how it's it's been coached to me, and then I've coached through to athletes. What do you think the benefit of it is? Um, s- stability. So one, uh, actually returning your spine to good posture. I like to apply it to athletes. Imagine the infinite imperfections that happen within sport where we say all right rigid spine like Stu mcgill with our athletes but then you've played in the complete chaos that is a field court sport we have to then maintain or return to a good spine position this is a controlled way for us to do that through the sagittal plane so when you're doing the jefferson curl what are you using like 600 pounds uh, I would probably any, any range, which you can control the action, nice and steady controlled. It could be 10 pounds or it could be up to 100 pounds if you're able so to control it. It's a lighter weight that's a mobility, kind of a stretching with weight, almost like a mobility exercise to teach greater connection with the spine going through the different rounding positions and helping to get back into a more stable, neutral position. Through your range, range of, of motion. motion. Okay. As an individual. So we're not programming like 600-pound Jefferson curls, and we're also not putting the bar on the back oh, and no, asking no, no, no. somebody to do that cervically loading their spine with 500 pounds and doing a Jefferson curl. Cervically loading, John, that's a good point. No, we would not ask them to do that. Okay. So the fact that our listener or our question person is confused with the fact of like a kind of a strength mobility thing that's really, you know, used by, like you said, Chris Summers and for high level gymnasts who base their entire training on basically stability and isometric contraction, smaller dudes, uh, you know, task specific tension, very dynamic in nature and also very, very high level athletes opposed from people who are going into the gym and putting a heavy bar on their back 
where the one place you don't want to have a ton of spinal movement and you want to have a nice rigid spine, uh, the way Stu McGill describes the spine is there's, uh, you know, discs and tendons and, you know, all everything around it are like steel belts. And that if you can create a good rigid spine, you can transfer force under load, like with a deadlift and with a uh, heavy squat. Now, what people forget all too often is that if you want to lift heavy weights and survive them, you have to have an extremely rigid spine. So while people like Chris Summers um, are training gymnasts, which is dynamic in another way, those guys are not going in and banging heavy weights every single day. It's not like, uh, hey, I'm a, a high-level Olympic gymnast and I just set the world powerlifting record. So I, I think that there's kind of a confusion where, you know, what are you, what are you trying to do? And more importantly, are you trying to get out the other side of this thing without a severe injury? Um, you know, Stu McGill, who is, you know, I, I learned of Stu McGill years ago when I was in the NFL. He was kind of the Indiana Jones of back pain. You'd hear like whispers like, oh, he hurt his back. He's going to go see Stu McGill. And I just thought that Stu McGill was kind of this legendary dude that just was magically the back pain detective. And it wasn't until I retired because I never had any back pain. So I was very focused on not only a rigid spine, but I looked at two injury mechanisms and both of which Stu McGill uh, co-signed when we were on our podcast years ago. Um, I saw guys when they were overextended, all of a sudden get loaded. And from this overextended position, they would get hit or they couldn't maintain spine stability. And it came from what I thought was a weak trunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, weak abs. That's why we do a ton of dead bugs. The other one was rotation, right. transverse plane, and then a load. So guys would be setting one way, they'd be turning, and then they would get loaded unexpectedly, and that would hurt their back. So that's why you see in all the programs a lot of dynamic med ball work, which is ro- transverse plane, rotation, throw, task specific tension, catch. Mm-hmm. And I and I did a ton of that rotational med ball work in all of my NFL career. Still do a ton. Because that is what has allowed me to not have back injuries. And if we look at getting to the, the power athlete training here, when we're working with the spine and a lot of our accessory work, so dynamic uh, med ball work, I'm going to talk about that right after sure. this. First, we want to increase our range of motion and stability within said range of motion. We accomplish that by locking the hips in place and then rotating or bending laterally to the left and the right. Example, Chris talked about on his call was the teapot we uh let's say we step into a lunge position i could teapot from my lunge but my hips are locked in my primal lunge yeah i I don't really think that the back is bending i mean like uh you know when we set up and we do a lateral i mean it's more like a short kind of movement it's not like we're doing a lateral jefferson curl correct it would it would be more uh upper torso and aim to increase our uh What's the top spine? I'm blanking here. The rib cage spine would not our lumbar or thoracic spine. Yeah, thoracic Aim spine. is to increase thoracic mobility because in that lateral flexion extension, we can breathe into yep. one lung and aim to open that up. But either way, if we program it, I'm going to lock into a lunge or I'm going to lock into an, an X, say my, my feet are neutral position or even a step up. And that's one of the hardest things where I step up. Imagine I'm holding a high knee position and hitting my, uh, not Captain Morgan's, my teapots uh, to the left and the right. And then we have a lunge position rotations. We yeah, no, use... I, I stole all those uh, teapots from Ruiz. Oh, yeah. Um, but we, we, we did a ton of that banded rotation. And we mm-hmm. did a ton of that, especially with being able to come back and then bring it here. But it was more about stretching and strengthening the obliques because we, we all of a sudden 
saw a rash of dudes in the NFL that started tearing their obliques. And we thought it was from like weak hip flexors. Now, I mean, based upon what we know years later, it probably comes from a weakness in the collapsing of the arch. Yep. Knee comes in, guys are over Trump compensating, and all of a sudden now we have an up chain effect and then the rotation of the terrain oh, yeah. oblique. So when are we set up in that position where there's the lunge or the step up, we can coach them at the feet, but the hips, the aim is to lock them into a primal position and then spine moves opposite the hips. When now, say we are heavy lifting primal, John, and cervically loading, our spine is rigid, but now our hips are moving yep. in the action. Well, uh, like the secret of a healthy spine, and I know this is like, uh, like, what do you want to do, right? Like, that's a great question. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. Like, like, what are you trying to do? And there's, you know, this kind of schizophrenic mindset within you know much of training, where you know, and that's I think why CrossFit was so big because you know (laughs) it allowed people. Uh, mediocrity and everything, right? Like you can be, you know, we can do our, there, we can do your stuff better than you, but you can't do our, you know, there was this whole fucking Glassmanian craziness. But like uh, the idea of like constantly varied, learn new sports. I mean, some of the original stuff from that was genius, but uh, people became just super gym centric. And when you're just doing the same movement over uh, over and over, that looks like bilateral hip hinging Mm -hmm. and just some form of sagittal plane or um, yeah, sagittal plane. Uh, you know, all of a sudden that reduces athleticism and those original observations of dealing with the CrossFit market was led to field strong because when Glassman asked me, do you think CrossFit is an athletic style of training? I said, no, it's not. And he was taken back. Like, how dare I assault the, the crown? And I was like, well, what have you done athletically? You're, you know, I mean, you, uh, you know, were struck down at a young age with polio. You were, uh, you know, a ring, uh, you know, upper body based gymnast. You never played any sports, no change of direction. Your entire program's based on hinging and sagittal plane straight ahead, uh, other than virtual shoveling. And with that in mind, um, you know, what I understand about athleticism and the blueprint for athleticism, primal movement patterns, the ability to step, squat, and lunge and move through space, like that's what I know athleticism is, the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known and novel task. Boom, print it, uh, the definition of athleticism in power athlete land. Um, the training has to be representative. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're going to use weights and especially step, squat, and lunge, X, Y, and Z axis, and we're going to load them, you're going to need a rigid spine to transfer force between the bar, your upper body, and your lower body. And if you have a, a, a fucking spine of jello that's not rigid, you're going to have a ton of back pain, you're going to, you're going to be hurt, and you're going to be fucking miserable for the rest of your life. Uh, or you can work on a ton of stability. That's why we don't do flexion and extension when we do some form of trunk work. Everything is moving the limbs independent, isometric contractions, can I maintain stability? Because stability comes from isometric contractions. So just watching people do flexion and extension, like when we worked with the US Army, and when I'm looking at their PT test, and I'm wondering why they have you know, tens of thousands of people on profile because they have back injuries from doing nothing but overloading flexion and extension in a fucking seat, in a sit-up. And then, and then sitting they down. And then sitting down all day. Uh, like, it's, you know, it's one of those things where they're you're like, you know, you're talking to the surgeon, and he's explaining like the profiles and the injuries. And I'm like, so wait a minute, everybody has back injuries? Okay, what are they doing? Oh, these guys are fucking doing sit-ups like, uh, you know, like rabbits, uh, you know, trying to hop out of a cage um, because that's what's required to get advancement in their jobs. So they're going to be the best flexion extensioner that you've ever seen. And then they wonder why people are hurt. Like, it's like, I felt like I was taking crazy pills. Uh-huh. 
Well, you weren't, John. No, I wasn't taking crazy pills. But I think if the goal is to lift heavy weights for a lifetime, and you've heard me say it, that I think that people don't stop lifting weights because they get old. I think they get old because they stop lifting weights. And they start being they stop being strong and they start fostering a culture like physical culture of athleticism and strength. And they're not fighting, you know, trying to kick old old man father time every day in the balls. Um, but I think you have to understand what are you trying to do. Are you trying to be a high level gymnast? If you want to incorporate some stuff like some Jefferson curls, Texas got a really good reasoning for it. If your goal is to be able to transfer force and bang heavy weights for a lifetime, you want a nice rigid spine. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to mix that into some field strong stuff, but you'll see it towards the end of the training and and, not 600 pounds and not 600 pounds. And also, I mean, let's do unilateral. Let's turn this sagittal plane into a multi-plane movement. How we would do that with the Jefferson curl is a single dumbbell in one hand. And then we have, we're fighting against this rotation to maintain posture and movement through the sagittal plane which turns sagittal plane into a multi-plane training. Well, if you're going to play sports, you're going to be on one leg. Well, and there is a dysmatic need for unilateral movements, mm-hmm. but we have to balance that because we know that we can load bilateral movements heavier than we can single, uh-huh. uh, you know, single leg movements. You know, uh, years ago, uh, it wasn't that long ago, um, who do we have on our, uh, our buddy who hated the back squat? Um, uh, Mike, Dr. Mike March, Martino. No, no uh, Boyle. Mike Boyle. Boyle. Yeah. Oh. Remember Mike Boyle, the death of the back squat? <clears throat> he was working with a lot of high level hockey guys, mm-hmm. and he found that there was less pain associated with doing single leg movements. So instead of basically putting these guys into torture and forcing him to do bilateral movements that put them into bad positions, he just had them do unilateral movements. Now, if he had been a little more creative with bars and setups and maybe, you know, some box squats or different things, I think there's ways to mitigate all that stuff, but he didn't have time for that. He ain't ain't got time for that bullshit. Let me just figure out how I can get the most amount of work done. And he found using unilateral movements were better for these individuals. Oh yeah. But also hockey guys are on one leg a lot. So it makes sense. The time of year, if he was working majority of in-season training with these guys, they got what, I don't know, 70 some odd games, including playoffs. I'm not a hockey guy. I don't know. But that on top of the training that he was contracted to do, he had to find ways to still instill proper movement on top of the intensity of a game. And you know those guys are traveling and going hard. Yep. Yep. Outside of yeah. games. No, it's um, – but, yeah, I think it comes down to what are you training for, who are you, and what do you want to do. Uh-huh. And I would argue within the, the power athlete realm, we encourage you, much like the old CrossFit deal where it's go play sports – encourage you to do anything and everything find out what you can't do because that could potentially lead to injury down the road i I, so try jefferson curls no matter the program i had this conversation with my brother yesterday um so my brother um you know as you guys maybe don't know um my family lives in southern california they still do um my brother growing up was uh, a really good tennis player like he went to like the nick bulletary tennis academy um, out in Florida, he was like, you know, played doubles with Pete Sampras. He was a really good tennis player. And then he got to high school. My brother told him only loser, <laughs> only wimps play tennis. So he started playing football. So, uh, <laughs> as a, so he's, you know, in his late or mid forties, late forties, he's older than me. Um, he, uh, one of his buddies or no. So his wife was like, uh, I want to take some tennis lessons during COVID. So like they were having like some COVID stuff. He'd go take tennis lessons. She's like, you know, uh, uh, his daughter started playing tennis, you know, at, at like the local junior high school. And so uh, Carrie, who's my sister-in-law, was like, you know, I, I want to take tennis lessons. So she went over, took tennis, 
And so my brother's like, oh, I used to play tennis. So he comes over and he's like, I'll take a lesson with you. So he goes out there and like he, you know, like just picks up, you know, rents some racket and like the pro goes out there and he's like, oh, did you ever play? He's like, yeah, I used to play a lot when I was a kid, like 30 years ago. And um, they go out there and he's like, oh, let's hit around. So my brother like basically serves and aces the dude. Like the tennis pro was like, Jesus, that was like a 90 mile an hour serve. And he's like, yeah, I haven't played in 30. He's like, when was the last time you played? He's like, like 30 years ago. He's like, how good were you? He's like, I was pretty decent. And uh, so now my brother plays like three days a week. And he's like the Orange County, like as one, like basically goes and wins all these tournaments. And he's like, so he was calling me. Like, he's now giving the pro lessons. Oh, dude, he's killing people. <laughs> like he, he, he was such a good athlete, like growing up, like he could do anything better. Um, like he like finished playing football and he played division three football and then like walked on and uh, started was a starting catcher and like, you know, hit, I think third or fourth um, in baseball, you know, and uh, just so like his senior year. Yeah, just, just decided, spring. Yeah, he he was like, yeah, just went out. And, I mean, he only got four years, and he was, you know, and like went out and started in baseball. So I mean, he's always been really good athlete. Everything he's done, but I just think it's hilarious. He's like, you know, it's a lot of muscle memory, and uh, he just goes out there and he's like, I've been winning all these tournaments. He goes, it's great. He's like, you know, it's not as competitive. Like I don't get to hit anybody, but he goes, it, it scratched that competitive itch, and it's something that. Um, I, I like had this weird kind of existential moment the other night at like 3 a.m. when I woke up and, you know, kind of hit myself with like, what are we doing here in life kind of moment. I'm sure that hits everybody, every father, everybody who's ever, you know, fucking worked a job and, you know, been out there in the grind. And uh, the one thing that was, has been missing from my life and um, I was going into boxing a couple days a week and then I had shoulder surgery, so I haven't gotten back to doing it. Um, and Todd White's been hitting me up about going and doing jujitsu. And then we were out there watching like the archery thing for that archery challenge. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I go bang weights. Uh, you know, we do podcasts. I mean, we write programming, you know, we have a, a coaches network that we're, you know, uh, doing a bunch of stuff with remote coaching and, you know, there's just a million different projects for here, developing content. Um, you know, all the stuff that, that I'm doing on the back end, building since, a, yeah, building a studio. new podcast studio, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that Luke was doing ended up kind of falling onto my plate. So, uh, you know, the one thing, you know, and then obviously all my free time is either welding and working on the trucks in the shop or, you know, kids sports and other stuff. And I realized the one thing that I'm not doing is I'm not using my training in a specific way anymore. I'm just going in there and banging weights and testing programs. And I realized that like a little piece of me has died because one, um, the only thing I really ever enjoyed in this world was, uh, fucking beating people's asses. I really enjoyed playing football, strapping up a helmet, running out of the tunnel and basically trying to wear some dude out for three hours a day. A master of violence. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it, it's, it's what woke me up every day. It's what kicked me in the pants at 5 AM to get out and go train it. Uh, you know, uh, at night when I was eating my last meal, what it's the, you know, the little voice in my head that said, go to bed, you need eight hours of sleep because you have to be better. Somebody else is out there training harder than you. And, uh, that was, my whole life. I mean, from the time I was 14 years old until I was in my, my mid thirties. Um, and you know, since now all of a sudden, like that's kind of changed and like searching for ways to like still have that competitive edge and, uh, or at least that competitive desire. And it was funny as I was talking to my brother yesterday, he's like, it's pretty good. I've met a whole new group of guys. It's really fun. I get to go out there and, and do them. I'm like, is it as good as hitting people? And he's like, no, he's like, there'll never be anything to report. And I'm like, you know, um, and then it was ironically, um, you know, my 69 Camaro that I sold to Todd White like 14 years ago, uh, you know, has come back to me 
because I, I got to clean it up and fix some stuff on it because we're going to try to push it back out into the world because I think Todd's done with it. He's got like six kids. He's got no room for a Camaro, uh, badass 69 Camaro. So I've been working on it and it's, it's, uh, it's funny. I was talking to him yesterday. He's like, how come you haven't come to jiu-jitsu? And so I used to roll in the off season, um, you know, with some guys in Orange County, like uh, Joker and Eric Apple and those dudes. And, you know, did it when I was, you know, younger, training with Nono and all those Gracie dudes. And uh, it was something I really enjoyed and like that physicality and that like training for something and preparing, you know, and it's like the age old fight club. Fight club's a reason you trim your nails, you cut your hair, uh, you know, you make sure you get all your training in so that you are able to translate it. And I had this just interesting existential 3 a.m. moment where I'm just laying there. I don't know if it's existential or reflective or just this like moment Itch. of this moment of clarity when I realized like violence is important. Like you have to have that outlet, you know, competition, sit, competition. Well, competition, I think. But what's important about competition is like the preparation piece. Like, mm -hmm. like, like I think people want to compete, but for me, like I need something to compete in so that the preparation has meaning. Like I need a direction. Like, Hey, if this is what my goal is, like if you said, Hey John, um, you know, like if you want to go be a, a you know, serious jujitsu player and you want to be good, like you're going to have to be this and do this and this, then it gives you a, a blueprint to work from and you start training for it. So I think a lot of that comes down to just assessing those goals. And I think all too often, we just get stuck in the daily grind. We get stuck in our lives. And, um, you know, like recording this podcast, what I, I wasn't originally a huge fan of the idea of doing a podcast, uh, just cause I was like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? And here we are years later and we're still talking about it. And I think having uh, passion and like, you know, learning and having people on where you're like, fuck man, that was really good. That's going to force me to go do a bunch of reading for the next three hours. Like, um, and just having some more diversity is important. But I think at the end of the day, there's something primal about putting yourself, you know, being the man in the arena, you know, putting yourself out there and, you know, potentially, you know, being a white belt. I wrote an entire blog post, always be a white belt. And I realized that, uh, all of a sudden, you know, like my white belt, like I've been, you being the white belt in other ways, whether it was welding and fabricating or doing all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, like you need that physical outlet. You probably just need a dude to choke you out every on occasion, or at least catch a punch in the face. And, uh, Man, that is so good for the soul. That's like chicken soup for the soul. Getting your ass beat. Uh, or well, just... They, they're, you're oh, the, probably the biggest guy in that gym, John. They're going to sure. come after you. Maybe there are bigger dudes. Um, you know. And while my skills are not what they used to, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I am. I don't give up and I am pretty tough. And also, I'm extremely humble about that stuff. Whereas like, I don't like to get my ass beat, but I'm okay getting my ass beat as long as I, there's a lesson they involved. They earned it or something. Yeah, but like I, like I, I look at uh, when I played in the NFL, if I lost, which wasn't very often, I always looked at that as a teaching moment. Like I fucking hated losing. Like the type of hating where like, um, I, like I can't even voice that level of disgust and just like hatred. Like where... You know, you can't sleep at night because you know you're going to have to be in film the next day. And then all of a sudden in the third quarter on the fourth play on second and third, all of a sudden that play, I'm like feeling nauseous for the entire film session because I know that play's coming up. Like that type of stuff. And I know when it's coming because all of a sudden I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, I, like I, all of a sudden I snapped and knew the down and distance. But what's sad is that, um, you know, I played thousands of plays, played, you know, uh, 10, you know, nine, 10 plus years in the NFL and uh, the only plays I really remember are the mistakes, you know? Like those are the ones because the level was so high of commitment that the only thing that was different 
were the mistakes. Something out of the ordinary where something happened. And uh, it's kind of fun. Like, I'll watch replays and, like, you know, like there's a, a dude on Instagram who's a big Eagles fan. And he'll post a bunch of that stuff. That's and, cool. Uh, I like it. It's funny. He'll tag me and I'll watch, like, you know, clips. And it's, uh, I'm like, man, we fucking beat some dudes' asses. It was a lot of fun in that regard. But I think everybody needs that, like, that passion, needs something to train for, whether it's like my brother, you know, basically swooping up on people, you know, in, uh, in tennis, which I think is hilarious. That like he's out there playing with all these dudes who like played college tennis and are all pretty high level, and he's out there killing these dudes. And they're like, "You?" He's like, "I stopped playing when I was fourteen or 15. and uh, he still has those skills, which is pretty interesting on like that athletic profile, like that um, athleticism problem solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain people like never lose a skill once they develop it, even though skills are always perishable. But um, yeah, so that's been that's been my big push. So I'm just trying to get some done with these podcasts, get a few things taken care of, and and then that'll be put that into the routine. But I also would like to get back, or I would like to do more of that archery stuff. And we were down at that Black Rifle Archery Challenge um, for the adaptive athletes. It was it was super cool to see, like, the level of precision, attention to detail, and, like, that level of commitment, and then being able to compete against people with it. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. When you shoot a gun, um, you get this instant feedback of where the bullet goes. You know, did I pull it? Did I this? You know, what did my grip look like? How did my draw look? And I think archery is even more so. So oh, yeah. it's just a high level of uh, of mastery. I mean, that's why I think there's like an entire piece of Bushido, uh, Bushido for like the samurai, which was all about archery. It's pretty amazing to see those guys shoot those bows. Oh yeah. And it's, it is not only this individual skill and task that you can take on, you can then find different communities and outlets for you to get this team sense that I know you're going to find at the, the jiu-jitsu. Yeah. We've essentially created man, a power I, athlete. A lot of men are missing. A lot yeah. of people are missing. Well, I mean, it's, it's something I talked to Parsley about the other day. You know, Parsley's like, you know, like what happens to a dude at like, you know, you're, you know, you have kids, you're in this kind of twilight of your life, your 40s and 50s, and maybe, you know, maybe not uh, in that kind of piece where like, you know, what are you still fighting for? What are you still competing in? And I think you have to go out and you have to find meeting and find purpose, um, you know. And uh, I, I'm glad I had that 3 a.m. wake up and was sitting there thinking about this all night. You know, I would hate to all of a sudden be 60 and like, you know, wake up and be like, well, I haven't done shit other than go to work. And um, it's funny, I had a conversation with my mom the other day about one of our neighbors. And, um, you know, what's sad is... Uh, um, the age my mom is, she's 82 now, uh, but she's like, she's 60. But like, uh, you know, whenever I talk to her, it's like, oh, so-and-so passed away. And it's like, every time I talk to her, it's like a different neighbor passed away. And um, we were talking about some neighbors down the street and she she made a good point. She's like, you know, that fucking guy and those people wasted their lives. He was so focused on like his job and a big retirement that they pretty much ignored their kids and all he did was focus. And they like, you know, and they just really didn't put the time and effort to create a great relationship because my mom was talking with them and she's like, Oh, you know, uh, we haven't spoken to the kids in a couple of years We, you know, we are not really around, you know, and she's, you know, my mom didn't say it to him surprisingly, but she's like, they were shitty fucking parents. And she's like all too often she goes, people were so focused on like, you know, their retirement and their career that they don't realize that you can't go back in time and make these memories with your kids. So the other thing too is like, what does that teach them? So big thing for me, like, uh, you know, Jamie, uh, like Killy rides horses and we're so lucky to live next door to that. Uh, Jamie plays hoops. She wants to play so- uh, volleyball and like, um, you know, Cashy plays baseball um, as uh, one of their assistant coaches, which is always fun. Um, 
but having those memories and then also allowing your kids to see you do something athletic. Like they see that they train, they know every day we go up to the building, hey, I, I got to go do this and this and this. And they get to see their parents as athletes, just not as their parents. Because mm-hmm. my kids didn't get a chance to see me play football. Yeah, to, to build off that, the importance of you as a parent, as a leader, doing something and putting yourself out there training or learning a new skill or being a white belt or just sucking in general. Yeah. We had a, at a recent lacrosse game, there was a parent behind the sidelines that was yelling so almost the third coaching voice yelling at these kids, like not their own son, but other members of the team to like fix this or do that. So they were so involved in a negative sense with their son's athletics that they were yelling at other kids to be better mm-hmm. so their kid could win. Oh my, that was intense. I would... Do, do, you, uh, do you frown upon that? 100% yeah. because... We're not teaching, and this my follow-up email uh, to the, the parents, because it was, it was loud and clear, and like I'm embarrassed for that the individual. son. The well, son. Well, uh, yeah. So my, my, my follow-up email is the importance of us as leaders as being a model of teaching these kids how to, to learn how to miss, make mistakes, and lose, but turn it into the drive in which you've represented well, here. I think a lot of times... Um, and, and I, the only, um, experience I have, this was my brother coaching, uh, baseball, but also I've seen this a lot with, uh, with my daughter and riding horses and jumping. Um, so she goes to these shows and seeing how involved these parents are from like every aspect, like they've invested money, bought their kids horses. They have like all the accoutrements, like the trailers and the trucks and all of this. And these kids ride every day and they train and like these parents are like, you know, down in the arena, like, you know, just like so, uh, so involved. And, you know, my wife is there to be supportive, but like she also played a, a, uh, or soccer at a high level. And because her dad was so overbearing, ended up um, turning down a soccer scholarship and just going to college because she didn't want to do it anymore. Didn't Dang. want that pressure anymore. And I think something that I always caution is uh, my parents were always interested in going to the games and being fans not trying to be my coach. Oh. Like my dad was like, every time I'd be like, dad, have, you know, did you have fun at the game? He goes, it was amazing seeing you out there. You look great. And like, that's what he always said. And he goes, I'm just so proud to see you out there. And my mom, especially, she's like, I just like to see you go out there and fucking push people down. Yeah, they, but there are positively involved well, parents that we speak with, sure. some of which even go to Todd White's gym. Yep. So that's cool. Yep. But they know what it is to suck. Well, I, I think that there, well, yeah, I mean, it, there's a balance. Like you want to support your kids and you want to be there to, to watch them and support them. And like, you know, I'm, I'm here for you if you have questions. So like uh, for my daughter, um, you know, she plays, she goes basketball two days a week and like we go out and, you know, for 30 minutes a day we shoot hoops. And like, it's funny, like she goes out there and misses one shot and she's like, oh, I can't believe I missed. And I'm like, Man, like uh, missing a shot's like water off the duck's back. Like every day after school, we would walk off the bus and like my house was right near the bus stop and we had a basketball hoop on the back of our garage like every kid in America awesome. had. Yeah. And we would stop, we'd get our basketball and we would play, pick up basketball with all of our friends and my brothers would come home and we'd play and we'd play basketball every day. Like until we people started driving and no longer needed to take the bus. So like middle school. Um, but we obviously don't have that opportunity. So we go to, you know, be uh, hill country indoor, which is this fucking amazing it's indoor. Beautiful. Yeah. It's this crazy Mecca of sports. And, uh, she goes and plays 
And like, I try to just be like, Hey, you look great out there. Don't worry. We're going to keep practicing. You're going to get better. Uh, and you know, what's good is that they, the, the skills camp that she's playing in two days a week is all the kids. So she plays with the boys and I think she gets super intimidated with the boys, which I think is funny. Um, you know why she wouldn't be because she doesn't she didn't have older brothers and you, it's pretty interesting to see the girls that have older brothers aren't intimidated by the boys at all and so i'm like why are you intimidated these boys you go out and you play hoops with me and she's like well you're my dad so i think that there is it is an interesting balance where you have to listen to your kids and support them uh but like the constant mentoring and coaching i think i like i'm really just wonder like where that balance is and at the end of the day um you don't want to be that parent who's reliving their failed athletic career, you know, experience, living, trying to live vicariously through their kids. Because a lot of times, especially with uh, some of these barn moms, you know, uh, they rode horses and, you know, they, they wanted their kids to have this experience or this success that they felt that they never had. Mm -hmm. And so they really go all deep in this. And like my whole thing is like, so what are you guys going to do with this? How many people go to the Olympics? There's four people. All right. So what's like the, like other college scholarships? Like, like some, yeah. like, yeah, a yeah. few. I mean, but it, it, it's really like the pinnacle of this thing is like their pony finals. And I'm like, you know, it's not like these kids are going to ride in the Olympics. Um, you know, there's like Bruce Springsteen's daughter with an unlimited budget's 29 and she's not on the Olympic team and she has her own barn, like all of her own horses and like has unlimited budget to do it. And, you know, she's still not there. So I think, um, you know, it's something they can do for a lifetime. But at the end of the day, like being able to do team sports and, you know, the girls go to gymnastics a couple of days a week, which is good, um, but getting them involved and then just having something that they can compete at for a lifetime. Like that's mm -hmm. like, that, that's something that's so sad about playing football and that you're able to do this job and then all of a sudden one day they slam the door in the face and you don't get to play that game anymore. Yeah, they decide. Yeah, they decide. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys get into coaching. Like there's a ton of dudes I played in the NFL with that are in NFL and the coaching and like, uh, that's no life to leave. But I think there has to be some outlet. Um, you know, I really enjoyed boxing and, uh, like that piece needs to come back, but need to maybe get back into doing something more physical. Yes. And, and the... using this fucking training for something. I think that's a good place to end it. Sounds good. Thanks, Tex, oh, for well. tuning in to another episode. Or, sorry. If, uh, what? Well, if people want to find training to then apply to something awesome that they want to do, where would they find said training? Oh, there's this amazing website you can go to, powerathletehq.com. And if you go up to the tab, there's a training section and there's a bunch of fucking world-class, the best training on the planet. I don't care what fitness influence out there is out there showing you their abs and trying to suck you into their 30-day challenge. If you want to train and actually be a complete real human, you're going to go click on that tab and you're going to go through and you're going to find the program that fits your need. We've designed them with different archetypes. Uh, go in there where there's, there's a program for everybody. It involves training like an athlete, being like an athlete, and actually putting something in place that you can translate and use. And I'll tell you, uh, as I told you earlier today, those fucking shadow sets took me down, dude. Like, cause I'm sitting oh, here, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm doing my best to have a lot of personality, but like in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh my God, the shadow came and got me. Well, it's shining much like individuals like Mr. Tim Wacker, who trains with his son to help yep. instill a lot of lessons, learning how to lose and training for he's a, a BMX bikes kid. Yep. So, and, uh, Tim has, 
thanks for sending us film of his son's successes. Yeah, his, and, uh, uh, his son's nickname is the Big Banana. I don't want to know the story I, behind that. I don't know it either, but I know <laughs> that he wears socks that have big bananas on. I'm like, what's up with the banana? He's like, it's my nickname. I'm like, banana sock? He's like, no, the big banana. I'm like, well, is, is it because you, I guess he, he must. It beats other nicknames. He, he wears a lot of yellow, I think, when he writes BMX. So I think he has a yellow bike. His whole shtick is yellow. So maybe. I'm, well, we may see him one day at the X Games. Let's see it. The big banana. That's your challenge, kid. All right. Until then. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!